you see that guy's balls were weird looking. <laughs> it like a cauliflower oh. ear. That's <laughs> my wrestling days. <laughs> Is that Randy Couture? What? <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Geeks Camp, the home of RPG jargon and general tomfoolery. I'm your host, Zach, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Troy and the Dwarven DM, John. Lolly ho! Lolly, what's up? Lolly, what's up? Oh, God. <laughs> this is terrible. Awesome. Yeah, uh, to, let's move on. Um, we're also joined by um, our... Fantastic guest coming back for round two, but also uh, going to take turns alternating as guest host, um, the Illuminous Skeeter Green and the illustrious uh, Levi Coombs. Hello! I, lo- I love the fact that you paused right before Fantastic, trying to get just the succulent descriptor yeah. <laughs> for the two of us. What, I, I was like, what can I say that sounds genuine and not too far over the top. Uh, let's just go with fantastic. We'll call it there. Um, and, and let's not forget Puffy Coat. Puffy Coat. Yeah. Well, Puffy yeah, Coat for, is for, for, for those people that are listening. For those people that are listening. Can you yeah, can you feel part. it? Can you feel the love of the Puffy Coat even from across the airwaves? Even does it That's does right. it translate in audio as well? I think so. <laughs> yeah. Levi is wearing this for our podcast listeners. He's wearing this black puffy coat and he has not shut up about it since he got on That's the <laughs> <laughs> well i told you puff, puffy puffy coat is like having uh having mr t roll a piece of pizza and a burrito shove it in your mouth while you're high-fiving uh jessica alba <laughs> it's wonderful it's wonderful that, that's 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 the word i would describe it uh well so like we said earlier, uh, pre-show, this is going to be a weird episode uh, because, and I think it's going to be interesting, I think it'll be good, uh, but we're going to do t- talk about two separate projects at once. Um, both Levi and Skeeter have their own projects uh, gearing up over on Kickstarter. Both of those project pages are, the, the launch pages are live, the pre-launch pages, and um, we're going to see them drop here shortly. So... Um, we had kind of planned on this being, or I had reached out to both of them, talked to both of them and said, Hey, you want to come on and talk about it? They're like, sounds great. And one of them found out that the other one was on and they're like, maybe I should be a part of their interview. Well, all right, cool. Sure. That sounds interesting. Let's do it. And so here we go with two. Um, yeah, we just come in and screw up your whole no, show. No, it's perfect. I mean, it's perfect. Like, hey, why don't you just have us both on here so you have two idiots to deal with at the same time? You get a boat well, out of the way. With three yeah. idiots at one He's, time. What do you think five is going to matter? That's fine. Yeah, right. That's fine. I mean, come on. I feel like it, now the precedent has been set. Levi and Skeeter are chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, we always have to have them on together. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know. That makes sense. I want to. I want to say something very disturbing. Like, which one of us is which? Yes. There's. There's. A, there's a, <laughs> can we? There's can we go with a different combination way. before yes. we answer that? I did Does not. That, can we do I did not continue. I did not <laughs> yeah. continue with the old commercial. <laughs> All right. Fair for, for a reason. <laughs> All right. I like, I like to point out, it did not quite go go down the way that Zach is uh <laughs> is portraying that Zach is, is a consummate dungeon master he really does he really does Zach is a narrator man he's it kind of did he, in, in the words of Jess, Jeffrey Chaucer he gives the truth scope <laughs> he's, he, yes he's 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 a story manipulator yeah, is right. what he is yeah, yeah it's well, just I mean, massaging the truth massaging yeah, I like that too right you know or as I, I says, I, I, I'm just here to ride on details because I mean, what else do you need to know about a Kickstarter other than it's, it's fucking Skeeter Green? You know what I'm saying? So fair enough. I mean, that's I, I that's can talk it. About, that's the same my bite. project that I can talk about it all day. All right, uh, that's, all right. That's, I'm out. That's the title. That's the title <laughs> of say, the Zach, Kickstarter right there. Zach, go ahead and slap that oh. that uh, that podcast bumper on now. I think we're done, aren't we? 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh-huh. If if I'm ever that guy that just says back my Kickstarter because I'm Skeeter Green and I'm somebody in this industry, please all four of you slap the shit out of me, okay? <laughs> if you're not love- working in this hobby and trying to put out the best product there is, get out of the hobby. Preach. Okay. Yep. Right. Word up. So like, so there you, you want the the reverse mo. Right, instead of one one dude slapping three dudes, you want four, like I, I a, want like, four. A, like a firing squad of slaps. Like get the cardinal points on the map mm. and just all slap at once, and maybe my head will pop. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. That said, Skater, I yeah. would really enjoy a Kickstarter that was just banner image, and then in the story it said back this Kickstarter because I'm fucking Skeeter Green. And that was it. <laughs> let's just see what happens. Like I'm the let's, juggernaut. Let's, it becomes, it becomes the uh, the gaming meme of the century. Now that's, now that's a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. <laughs> t-shirt maybe. We'll, you know, we'll put that uh, Kickstarter whole thing on a t-shirt, but no, I am not going to ask people to fund that. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I would, I would, that's, that's Mark, that's like guerrilla marketing or something right there. That's, uh, oh, I can tell you guys a story about something very recently in people's egos and RPGs, but I'm not going to do it live. There's well, egos we'll, RPGs. we'll do that. We'll yeah, have to, I'm, we'll have to I'm like, not, we'll uh, have to weave it into a future tale. We, yeah. we heard, uh, years, I'm, it was years ago. We'll, we'll tell this thing next week, of course. Years ago, we heard something about, the thing that happened that has nothing to do with anybody that we've ever had on the show ever. Wink. <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 try to steer the ship towards nope. uh, the projects that we got going on here. Uh, Skeeter, let's start with you. Um, I see uh, a preview link for something called the Valley Out of Time series uh, for Swords and Wizardry, DCC, MCC. Talk to me about, give us the elevator pitch for Valley Out of Time. Well, this elevator is right at the top of the building and is going to take a while. So uh, the backstory on this is Levi actually uh, tried to put a bug in my ear for years at this point, I think, about doing a zine. You know, he's like, dude, you can you can knock one of these out. All the little weird ideas you get that, that you know, maybe aren't going to fill up a hundred page hardcover book, do a zine, get them out there. People love this kind of stuff for the people who like it. They're going to buy it. If they don't like it, they don't have to buy it and you're not out all this money. So I, I sat on it and let it marinate for a while. And I got this idea. I am a huge Frank Frazetta oil painting nut. I love all of the stuff he's got, you know, the, the barbarian with with the mammoth coming at him, you know Conan yep. chained with the giant snake coming at you, um, death dealer, all that kind of stuff, and um, I just wanted to do something that captured some of that, you know the Frazetta art, Roy Crinkle art, uh, the Sinbad stop motion Ray Harryhausen stuff, Ooh, yeah. all of that, you know land that time forgot um i just wanted and i know you know isle of dread is the icon and that stuff but i wanted to do something that wasn't on an island that you could just plop in your campaign anywhere you want and there's a little bit of explanation of of how you get there and what is happening but you can use this as much as you want if if as a game master you want to add this to your campaign and have these people you know going through a jungle and then all of a sudden oh my god here's this huge vista how did it get there well it doesn't matter it's there maybe you go through a portal maybe you go through a gate maybe this is a uncharted region whatever doesn't matter you don't have to explain it and and in the intro to the first book i i just very blatantly say that don't explain it it's just a thing that happens. Sometimes people get too in their heads about world building and, you know, they don't take just the fun of, oh, geez, there's a T-Rex coming at me. Why? Who cares? We're playing a fantasy game. 
some of that uh, gets lost sometimes. So, and the way I wanted to structure this is it's a six part series. The Kickstarter that launches tomorrow morning is going to be the first two Ooh. books. And uh, the first book is, is uh, welcome to the Valley gives you, uh, I believe it's four preset encounters, a little bit of background, gives you some new monsters, just kind of introduces you to it, gives you the vibe. That's going to be about 20-ish pages. We haven't gone to layout yet because I'm still waiting for some art. Uh, part two is Exploring the Valley. Gives uh, three more preset encounters. Um, and there's six new monsters for that one. And then it's got 15 pages of random encounters. So if you want to use it for hex crawls, like if you want to do an overland, oh, what's in this hex? Roll some dice. Boom, there's your encounter. Um, and that one is going to weigh in about 30 pages. Uh, mm -hmm. depending on the layout that actually uh, I did a late add to the Kickstarter page and I added stretch goals to add art to all those encounters. Not all of them. I mean, it was just, you know, it's 15 pages of text. It needs some, some vi yeah. visual grab. So yeah, starting at uh, like four grand uh, certain spacing, I'm just going to be adding art back in mm -hmm. there. So mm -hmm. to make it pretty it up a little bit. So right. that's the plan. Awesome. Now I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask Levi a question here. So you've been pitching Skeeter on Zanes for a while. That's what he's saying. And you're sure. saying, Hey, they're small. You can get them out there. People like them. Great. If not, you, you haven't put a ton of time into it. And was this what you were trying to get him to do is do a six part <laughs> series of zines right out the gate or uh or is this uh is this par for the course for skeeter no man like he's giving me credit where credit really isn't due because um you know if, if you've ever uh, played or read any of skeeter stuff you know um he's got a, just a, an imagination that won't stop like crypto the science wizard is just so packed full of these interesting encounters and like kind of like cool takes on classic tropes. Um, you know, Crypto Codex was great. It, it kind of, you know, brought a ton of new monsters into DCC and MCC that they, some of which were sorely needed. Um, so he's got a brain that just never stops. I think maybe he's just a little too busy sometimes doing a hundred other things for a hundred other people uh, to concentrate on his, on his own stuff. So making a zine, um, it's focused, it's narrow, um, it's, you know, you can kind of pinpoint, you know, and just laser strike an idea and get it out there. And it, you know, with a zine, it could be, it could be 16 pages long, 20, you know, 32, 48, you know, it could be as long, long or as small as you want. Um, did I expect him that he would, that he would do <laughs> a six or eight part series? No, but I'm glad that he is. Cause I, this is the kind of stuff that I want to read, you know, I mean, this yeah. is a uh, stuff that you can kind of pu plug and play. Directly, you get, say you have a little, you have a zine. You can uh, use what you want and just kind of ditch the rest and put it directly in your campaign. That's the sort of stuff that I find useful. And just personally, you know, that's the sort of stuff that I get the most um, value out of when I'm when I'm playing. So this is the perfect kind of stuff, uh, perfect kind of um, format, I think, for for uh, for Skeeter. Right on. So let me ask you I this. give you so, just as much credit as you deserve. <laughs> So did you uh, did you get have any like X Men Savage Land vibes in this one? Because whenever you mentioned like that primordial, like primal prehistoric tropical um, environment, that's immediately like I didn't go back as far as like Conan and stuff like that. For me, that's exactly immediately where I went to is uh, buried somewhere within the Arctic is this pocket of, uh, of some troposphere where you've got dinosaurs sure. running around and where. Uh, like, Tales of Kazar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, Commandy, last boy on Earth. Mm. You know, he goes and, and does this sci-fi type stuff. But sometimes I... The thing I have dragging my feet in MCC specifically is a lot of people, when they do their post-apocalyptic, it's, you know, Earth. 
in some far future something has happened. I don't want this to be Earth at all. I don't want there to be, you know, shopping malls or the artifacts you find are not, you know, earned out Chevys. Um, I do love Planet of the Apes. So when they find artifacts, you know, having it be pottery or something that's recognizable, I think that's important in a fantasy game because if you get too creative and too out there, people can't relate and you lose a lot in the, in the transition. Um, it's one of the things about writing horror is you don't fill in a bunch of the details because everybody's imagination, what might be scary to me is not scary to somebody else. And what I think is not a big deal. Somebody could be terrified of. Uh, so I try to incorporate some of that into the fantasy, like hint at, Oh, you see this globular object. What is it? Is it a bowl? Is it a helmet? Is it, you know, and then the people can, can decide for themselves. What is this thing? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge comics fan. So that definitely was in there. Um, we, we have this little kind of writing circle in the independent publishers union, you know, Levi, Jeff Talanian, Jim Wampler, uh, Ian McGarty, Rocky Gardner. We bounce ideas off each other all the time. And it's like racquetball. Because when you pitch an idea at the wall and it comes back at you 90 miles an hour better, like if I suggest, ooh, I'm going to have a dinosaur, and Levi is like, oh, yeah, you got to have this, you know, three-headed dinosaur with, like, fire coming out of its head and all, and, and you know, 18 arms, and it's got to be a kaiju. And I'm like, okay, so no, but <laughs> I am going to make this three-headed T-Rex, and that was in cryptocodex because i thought oh well, that's horrifying so um i like having ideas and seeing what the people that i respect their creative work thinks works and it's really you know it's that whole iron sharpens iron sports ball thing but it really works for writing and it's really important i think yeah. Let me ask you this. So whenever you're putting something together like that and you've got a lot of other auxiliary ideas that are coming in at you, is it anything like in movies where you'll have the first edit of a film is like four hours long and then you have to pare things down so some things end up on the cutting room floor? Or do you feel like you build as you go and you get to a point where you feel like, yep, that feels about right. That's the that's the 20-page point or the 21-page point. How does that work for you as an, as a writer do you just overdo and then trim or do you just like, is it really tight in that, that aspect? So what I do is I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a notes app on my phone mm -hmm. and every time I'm driving somewhere, walking somewhere, if I have an idea, like, Oh boy. Mm -hmm. And I put it in there. Uh, I have layers of nested files on my computer of word documents. It was like, okay, this will work here. This is an idea I really like. Uh, and then, you know, I comb through all those. And even if I don't use it, if it captures the headspace I was in, sometimes that will lead an idea mm -hmm. to be another step cooler mm -hmm. than it would have been if I just left it. And I actually, getting ready to go out for TotalCon, I was looking for some files. I found my... Uh, old notebooks so now i'm gonna start digging through those nice. you know back in back in the day when you had to actually write on paper uh it wasn't as convenient as throwing out one of my harebrained ideas just in you know ones and zeros but <laughs> yeah the, uh everything everything gets captured and it can be used in weird places because i've used some fantasy you know D, D elements in uh, a book i just did for call of cthulhu and okay. it's considered innovative for that just because somebody hasn't used the same kind of pacing and mechanics from a D, D game in call of cthulhu and published it so yeah always always keep ideas you know 
even on a bar napkin. It's really Never interesting that you mentioned uh, uh, the the publishers union and, and bouncing ideas off them. I was just talking earlier this week with someone else about how important it can be. Some people, it doesn't matter, but for a lot of us, how important it is to have that creative, that tight creative circle of people who are your idea bouncers or or who you come to when you have the initial framework of an idea, right? And you say, help me, is there something here for me to pursue further or is this a dumb idea? Um, it, yeah, I was listening to someone talk about uh, uh, Weiss and Hickman and how they uh, write. And it's like, you know, probably if, if I had my guess, you know, their body of work would not be nearly as large if they were writing separately, right? Oh, yeah. um, uh, they need that collaborative space. And um, it's really cool that, that you guys have such a cool, tight-knit little group of guys, uh, of folks who, who, uh, who share in your enthusiasm for your type of thing um, and then are, are happy to add to it. Yeah, and one of the things, if you know, I suggest that for anybody. If, if you're going to be a creative, have somebody that you can bounce ideas off of. The key to it is the people you're bouncing ideas off of have to both be qualified to give you advice and have to be confident enough to say, yeah, man, this is a great thing you sent me, except it sucks. So what you need to do, you can't just have somebody who you hand all your stuff off to and they go, oh, yeah, it's great. You never do anything wrong. You've got to have people that will say, um, are you sure you want to do that? Because really it stinks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you were looking at Levi when you said that. Even on the camera, I could tell that you were. <laughs> well, that's because, so I'm going to bring up this Call of Cthulhu thing uh, that I just wrote. I sent it to Levi and I said, dude, as a consumer, read through this and tell me, you know, did I drop the ball somewhere? Do you get how this is being run? And he, he ran through it. He read it. Uh, and I valued his feedback as a writer, as a film aficionado, because I do a lot of things where I have cinematic elements like, hey, when you're going through this encounter, this is the movie that I was thinking of. So yeah. the person running it knows what headspace I was in. And Levi gave me a bunch of ideas and said, hey, if you're going to reference Jacob's Ladder, Aces, because that's a deep one that not a lot of people would do. So, you know, it, it's it's been super helpful for me. Awesome. All right. So you uh, have the Valley of Time, you said, coming up tomorrow, which tomorrow, uh, for folks listening after the fact, is February 21st. Um, President's Day. President's Day. Um, you are releasing parts one and two, and you say that it is going to be $10 or less for each book. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what sort of rewards or what sort of offerings is on this thing? You talked about two books, but what's the scope of this Kickstarter? So, um, yeah, I, the lowest dollar pledge is five bucks for a PDF of either book. If you get a PDF of both books, it's $8, mm -hmm. uh, for print. If you get one book, like, so I'm releasing this for swords and wizardry and another book for DCC and MCC. So there is a combination of four total books that you could get. Part one, mm -hmm. part two, two different systems. Uh, it's a little confusing until you get to uh, the page. And I, I made, there's a whole bunch of pledges that, that make it very clear uh, what you can get. So you don't have to figure it out. You just push the button on the pledge for what you want. Um, if you, if you buy Two books. If you buy part one and two of the same pledge, it's $18 instead of 20 Give everybody a little bit of break. Uh, and the reason, because I've had to explain this a number of times, why I'm doing it as six parts, I didn't want everybody to be 
uh, married to the whole series if there are parts of this that you just don't want. I'm not telling you, I mean, I'm kind of telling you how to run your campaign because I'm writing a book and you're buying it. So I'm telling you how to do it, but I'm not telling you, you have to buy all of my products. I want you to use the stuff or get the stuff that you're actually going to use. Gotcha. So I don't even know if I answered your question. You did. That's <laughs> perfect. No, you did good job. no, no, listen, uh, well, here, let me ask this then. Um, Levi, you probably have more insight into this project as being, you know, somebody that he bounces ideas off of than, than we will, or the average backer. What's a question that you would throw to Skeeter uh, about this project or something that you think he should talk about that he hasn't yet? Well, this, uh, the, the DCC MCC, the, the, the fact that it could be used in either system. I, I've, you've done that a couple of times and I've always found that really, really interesting because it shows the versatility of the writing, the versatility of the kind of the scope of the adventures or the scenarios. Um, you know, you could take Valley out of time and you, you could just do a straight up, you know, like weird fantasy, you know, like, like straight up Harryhausen, or you, you, you could take it to that, you know, Commande, Planet of the Apes sort of thing and do it like, you know, MCC. Um, and so I, I guess if I had a question, like what, you know, where, where did that idea come from? Are those two systems so tightly married together that it's just like a, a natural thing that you would do? Or is it all by design? Like, do you just sit back and go, okay, well, you know, I, I'm throwing a little bit of Thundar in here. I'm throwing a little bit of, of Michael Moorcock in here. I've got some, you know, uh, you know, beyond the uh, Planet of the Apes feel to it. I mean, what's the genesis? Uh the original idea back when I did Crypt of the Science Wizard was um, a quote uh, a technology that advances to a certain level is indistinguishable from magic. And I know I just slaughtered that a technology that, quote, that every time I have to, to say it, I, I always kind of forget what it is. But you know, it's got that uh, Vancean uh magic science mix you know you have your alchemy you have your frankenstein's monsters lab stuff going on and sci-fi and magic are not as far apart as some people think they are or some people have built up in their heads yeah. you know it's it's a lot of flashing lights on one side and a lot of you know, hand wringing and and knowing these formulas, and just by me saying it, nobody has any idea which one was science and which one was magic. When I just gave those examples, mm-hmm. so it, it's really easy for me. I mean, after uh, expedition to the barrier peaks, you can have science in fantasy. It's okay. <laughs> nothing's gonna nothing's gonna hurt you for combining those um and and i got i got crypt of the science wizard done and i originally did that in swords and wizardry in fifth edition but then when i really got into dcc it made writing that so much easier because dcc and mcc those two rule sets are so similar it's it's very easy to bounce in between um, those. And my my comic and cartoon history is like the Herculoids. I have a Herculoids poster on my wall right there. <laughs> they were barbarians and had science fiction everywhere. Um, so yeah, I, I like the mix. I mean, that's my flavor of pizza. That's that's what I like. If if other people's pizza does not include the sci-fi element, don't use it. That still makes Alley Out of Time usable for you. You just don't have to use any of the science elements. And mm-hmm. most of it is just story-driven. Put the different mechanics off to the side where you need it, but... That's that's not the driver. I don't write for a system. I write a story and then put the mechanics to it. Hmm. I love it. And right. I have no idea if that answered Levi's question. 
No, it didn't. Let me ask him a question. Jeez. We're we're getting there. Getting okay. There. Uh, uh, well, I think you did answer it there at the end, right? Like you write the story and then you you align the system to it. And you're in your what I what I liked here and there was that um, it it sounds like in your mind like you don't worry too much about is this a magic thing or a sci-fi thing or how is it best interpreted you just you just write and and you trust that it'll work out and you don't mind if that means that some sci-fi sneaks its way into your fantasy or if some magic sneaks its way into your sci-fi that's that's that chocolate and peanut butter stuff we were talking about yeah when i read uh hp lovecraft stories and they're talking about a coffin-shaped clock that moves through time that's the description so is that a scientific element or is that a ritual magic element that makes it do that mm-hmm. who cares it's, it just works it just doesn't matter at a certain point it doesn't matter right yeah right yeah it doesn't as far as the story is concerned it does not matter mm. yeah you might have slobbering fantastic monsters and you know quivering gelatinous beasts on one side but then you'll have something like uh, uh what is it the uh the old man story with the with the brains in the jars and he's got the vibration yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. um science to, well, know, honestly to- if if you like all of us modern people if you saw a gelatinous cube that actually existed would that be something that was created by science or was that something that somebody summoned from some other dimension that's like, oh my God, what is that thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who cares? Who cares? It's awful. And, and I, that, that goes by back to uh, something that I've talked with the fellows about before is, um, you know, a lot of these bigger Kickstarters will put out, you know, their setting book and their adventure book and their monster manual, right? And sometimes, you know, if you're talking 5e or something, it's a sci-fi future or it's a western or it's a whatever right and i may not care about their setting at all but i'm almost always going to pick up that monster manual because there's there's aspects of that like you say that a monster removed from a setting can become a can be interpreted basically a a a, a enormous collection of ways um sure yeah context being key and they had that back in the day. I mean, in in original D and D, I'll I'll do a shout out for Tim Cask. The boule is a mix of different things, and it's you know back then they said okay, you know it's a magical transmorgification or or whatever. It's like well maybe it was built in a lab by some yeah. dude who was nuts. Who cares? It's still a boule and it's still it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's just like you could take a ghoul in D and D, and it's different than a ghoul in Call of Cthulhu. And it would be different than a ghoul in Dark Trails. You know, those are all three, you know, very different uh, you know, same same creature or whatever, but three very vastly different takes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Well well let's let's uh uh let's I was searching for a great segue to put us into phylactery. Um, and uh, I think the the best one that I can do is like work to on the subject of this can fit anywhere. And my experience with phylactery, uh, Levi, is that it is a book full of things that you can pack into anything and, and really uh, it sits outside of context in this space where, uh, it is up to the GM to interpret how this thing applies to their world. You're getting ready to kickstart Phylactery 4 and the Phylactery Omnibus. I have all the other Phylactery products and, and stuff on my shelf behind me. Talk to me a little bit about what does Phylactery 4 bring new to the table or what do you got cooking there? So Phylactery 4 is it's more of the same. If you have Phylactery 1 and you 2 or 3 or any of the issues, it's going to be a lot more of the same kind of material. You're going to get fantastic locations. You're going to get weird magic. You're going to get uh, interesting NPCs, hex crawls. There's a mini adventure. Uh, there's always monsters. And uh, Phylactery 4 has four new, brand new monsters. Uh, you're going to get a ton of art. I pack those things full of as much art as I can. Um, and then just all kinds of little hooks 
and pieces and uh, things that you can use directly. Like you can take that zine and take it to the table and use stuff directly out of there you, and with not a lot of planning, you know? Um, so again, more of the same. Um, this issue, uh, the, the Flackery 4, goes pretty heavy on um, on monstrous and kind of weird magic stuff. There's some really cool stuff that's in there. And I did include the first of um, of what I hope to be a series in in the factory of uh, of new of, of uh, new gods. Um, I've not always been very satisfied with the way that a lot of gods are uh, presented, kind of in mainstream D anD. d I think some of the concepts get used over and over again. So I uh, with with this one, I took a god of pain, a god of pain and torment, and um, kind of went a different direction with it that I've seen done in movies or um in in previous work so um hopefully people will enjoy that <laughs> but that's only one little you know that's a little two three page part you know um you know like i said there's a there's a full adventure in there there's hex crawls uh it's just packed full of stuff and that really is the idea behind the phylactery is to pack this zine cover to cover page to page full of resources that you can use because nothing would irritate me more, uh, especially you know when I didn't have very much money, is when I would buy something and uh, obviously you know you, you'd open it up and you know there were pages that had half you know there was nothing on half of a page or there were a couple blank pages in the back or um, you know the text was double wide you know it's just it used to really irritate me. I'm like man I you know I worked really hard for this money and now ah you know like um they they split it up into two books when it could have been one or you know. We all we all know the, the you know the the way that goes down sometimes, um, but yeah, man, that's the basic pitch. You know, it's just a big, chunky book that you can um, take a bunch of ideas out of and put it put, put them in play directly to the, you know at the, at the table. So, is there a particular theme that goes along with it? Like one is it all like uh, you know making steam like fantasy steampunk, or is it? Ah. is there like one overarching like vibe that you're going for with it? That you're trying to kind of sell. So like Dragon Magazine would do that a lot. You get those big theme issues, you remember. But mm-hmm. I always kind of ascribe more to the um, like the Ardwin Grimoire or old Dragon Pre uh, Dragon Tree Press stuff. Um, as disorganized and as chaotic and crazy as those were, every time I got one of those books, man, they were so full of ideas and just jam packed of content, uh, and they were all over the place. You know, like you'd read that first. Uh, I think it's the very first Ardwin Grimoire book. And uh, there's like, I don't know, two pages about classes. And then like three pages later, he goes into like four pages of prismatic walls. Like, we don't even know how to hit yet. Like, we don't know, like, <laughs> we don't have half the classes or the races. Like, and you're already talking about prismatic walls. And then, you know, another 20 pages in the book, there's there's like another 10 pages on random hells and dimensions and planes. And you're like, what am I reading? And I always like that. I always like that mixture of material. Um, now, having said that, a lot of times I will hook, you know, if there's a two-page article at the beginning, I might hook that into um, something deeper on in the book, you know, and you'll see those threads kind of run through, you know, through the book. For instance, like, uh, I guess it was issue, issue two, um, I had an article on Baba Yaga, the, uh, the, the mother of hags, and I looped that, that looped things in that article, um, into other things, and, you know, the, one of the monsters was, was a hag. And then there was, uh, you know, some roadhouse tales later on where they were talking about Baba Yaga. It was, you know, they just, everything uh, inter- interweaved a little bit, but that's just kind of hold things together and, and give you a, a, a sense that there is some sort of continuity. One thing that I like, I, I I'm in agreement uh, with, with your description of, of these, of your books and, and, I also ascribe to the and and Troy, you you talk a lot about you know going to the store and getting a magazine. So I don't know what uh, what your experience there was like, but I'm I'm in the same boat as far as like there's a part of me anytime I get a new book that wants it to be packed. Right mm-hmm. on the designer side, I'm always like, well, sometimes there's a there's a need for space, there's a need for it to breathe, and 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 you kind of say, well, I've written enough here, and even though there's a half a page left. This is this is good, but the, but the 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 consumer part of me is like, there's something that you could have put in that half page, uh, and I, I I I wanted that. So yeah, even if it's a piece of stock art, 
or it's a uh, like uh, um, Skeeter did something really uh, really novel with his uh, Call of Cthulhu uh, module. Where he put a QR code in there um, that linked to some music, you know, that accompanied the adventure. Oh, you there know? you go. E- even if you're doing extra little things like that, it just makes the overall product better, you know. And that's the kind of thing that. Um, like I said, I really want to pack it in there. Really want to make them so that you're really getting your, you know, if if you're paying ten, fifteen dollars for these things, you're getting a lot of mileage for your for your money. Yeah, don't don't give me white space. No, give me, why? You know, a piece of art. I love the QR code linking to some music. That's really cool. Or even, you know, give me a, a, a weird table yeah. to roll on or you, a chart. To it. Or, I was thinking, like, how hard is it to put together a table of something? Any table, yeah. throw something in there, right? right. No, fill that space some... up. So I feel like every yeah. lay every layout person just had a heart attack. I know. <laughs> <laughs> How hard is it just throwing the table? table like, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, what else are they doing? They're just like moving, you know, backspace and forward yeah, space. Sure, you know. nah, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's head is spinning around right now. Yeah, there's an eye twitch <laughs> for three people at the moment. Um, one you know, you're, talk, you're, you're talking about those, um, uh, you know, how, how does everybody start? You know, how, how, what, what is the different ways that everybody kind of starts a project? Well, I always write, I always end up writing too much, always, every single time. Like, there's never a point where I get to go, oh, oh, that's enough. Nope. Every single thing I've ever done, I've written way too much material. And that especially goes for the phylactery books. So, like, I have enough extra stuff for, like, three more phylacteries if I just took the extras and threw them into the thing, you know, just a blender and, you know, said, here you go. But when ask, it came – I'm sorry. Let me ask you this. Time, sure. no, but, but, well, I was going to say, so do you, do you – just a little antidote. Do you find yourself when it then, like, saying, well, if I decrease the font size by one, I could get <laughs> two pages of extra content in here? Yeah. Sometimes yeah, John, it John's asking for personal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you got. So, sometimes you gotta. If you're really gonna cram it in there, you gotta do that. But um, not at the expense of like it looking, you know, good. You know, like you. you this is a product you're selling to people, so yeah. you can't give them a, a hunk of crap. But you know, you want to make sure. You, like Skeeter was saying earlier, you want to you want to give them the very best that you can do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I I see Levi's Levi's books. If if they were just this is what I've written, this is what gets published. It looks like uh, the manifesto from from the 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 guy in Seven, <laughs> where it's just it's just crammed and it's like it's like I can't read it. There's just so much. Yeah, yeah. My graphic designer right now is laughing her ass off because. Yeah. Of- <laughs> Very I, can, I can see her doing it too. It's like the or, scribblings or of a madman. Just like, yeah. like uh, they, you're, what you did is you actually scrawled it upon the walls with with your own yeah. blood, yeah. and they just took pictures of it with your phone and said, yeah. "Good luck." Here, in, in here, the lay this out. Sent out. Yeah, you, yeah. you can do that, right? Right? You can mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> I remember the first time, the first scene that I did, and I, I, I was like, oh, "An adventure should fit in one scene. That should be a, a reasonable expectation that I can do is write an adventure, stick it in the scene." And I wrote the adventure, got all the art for it. I had the uh, stupidness or the audacity to say, well, I'm also going to lay it out. But um, I remember sitting there being like, I either have to cut like a whole section from this adventure, which at this point I don't want to do. We've done the play testing. We've done everything to be like, this is what I want to run. This is what I want to go with. And then I'm like, but it won't fit in a stapled scene unless I make some hard choices. <laughs> I remember right. staring at that font size and being like, how much I, I sent a message to one of my layout experts. I'm like, what's the smallest font size that I can get away with? And what font should I use to get away with it in the most, in the best way? Cause I need all of these words. Um, that's a great lesson. I don't know, man. Those it was, it was choices. So, yeah. I'll tell you yeah. what, no, the exercise of managing our Twitter account has really given me a lot, <laughs> like 140 to 200 and what is it? I think it's like 240 characters or something like that. It just sucks. John has never said a sentence in his life that was less than 140 that is, characters. That is, that is oh, yeah, accurate. That. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> why, why say something in five words when you can say it in 25? <laughs> it's true. Hey, it's true. Guy Gax, there you go. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's, it, it is so tough because what I'll find myself doing a lot of the time is 
I'll um I'll I'll write everything out and then I like I'll just keep writing and writing and then it's all in red. Like everything that I want to say is still in red like a good 40 or 60 characters more than what I need to. And so I, now I have to spend the next 15 minutes trying to get it down to like the succinct thought that I really wanted to get in there in the first place. It's actually good for me to do that because it forces me to be more succinct. But oh god, that's it's painful. That's hard to do. That is hard to do. Definitely. So it's a funny uh, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. No, you're good. No, no, go for it. I was going to say, there's a funny story actually about Phylactery 4. Um, just real quick. Uh, there's there's a, a, a Italian artist, uh, Alex uh, Damasino. Um, he does some re- gnarled monster on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. He's, he's awesome. Um, but he had gotten together with a friend of mine and had... Uh, they, they were tossed around this idea for, for kind of like a little you know, miniature like Temple Raid dungeon crawl. Um, and I saw the map. I was like, oh, this map is gorgeous. This, you know, just beautiful isometric map. And they were like, well, hey, do you want, you want to write it? I was like, well, I don't have a whole lot of time, but like I can, I can do it, you know, do what I can. Like, well, it's going to go into Knock, you know, Knock, Knock Magazine. Yeah. I was like, oh, I love Knock. You know, it's a, that's, it's a, great, um, a great publication. I'd love to. So I wrote out this, um, I think it was a 12-page you know, write up of this yes. really uh, killer uh, thing, and you know they sent it in. He's like, "Oh, it looks great. We love it." He sent it in, and you know, God bless them. The guys at Knock were like, "Well, you know, I'm reading this. It, it's it looks great, but really, this needs to go on one or maybe two pages because I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with our format, but like, you know, like you, you know, there's, there's not only so much space." And I said, "Oh, let me let me let me knock it down." And so, uh, like three or four times, going back and forth with the editor, like I kept chopping it down and chopping it down and chopping it down. Oh. And finally, um, uh, Laws the Eye, the guy, the guy who was who had brought the whole project together to begin with, he was like, "You know, I really just want to. I'd really rather just keep it the way that you had it written. I just don't know what to do with it." I was like, "Well, I'll publish it. We'll put it in the flight. This is perfect for the factory. Like this is like the guys, the people who are interested in that sort of stuff." So. Sometimes you're doing something for somebody else. They can't use it. Well, boom, it comes right over and, you know, a couple changes and all of a sudden there's a, you know, eight page dungeon in the flat tree. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I would have. Uh, but Zach, say- you use the term that I like uh, quite a bit, which is punchy, right? Yeah. It's really like what I don't want to do is be the guy that's like, like the, the uh, Robert Jordan, where I'm going to spend 15 pages describing a leaf on a tree. You want it to punch. Like you should be able to get everything whittled down to like a half page to a page of what you're really trying to say in that interaction scene or whatever, right? So I think it's I think it's a good exercise for all of us to kind of take a look at what we're writing and see what is what's the the fat that can be trimmed and what's the actual lean that you want we want to feed people in the first place. Listen, I'm on the opposite side of that. If <laughs> Levi, I would have been like, well, can we publish the first page and then put a hyperlink to a Google Doc and they can just read my 12 pages over we've there? We've been there together, right? Whenever whenever they were, we were uh, submitting the, uh, what was it, the, uh, the different encounters for Watsy when they were doing kind of like their, uh, yeah, 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 their yeah. writer search. And that was just so freaking painful because I had like three pages of crap and they were like, nope. And then we then we actually read the fine print of the uh, the requirements, and it's like a page. And that was just oh, I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I like I, I could, like it spent I spent three times as much time trying to like to to whittle it down to what the requirements were because you know if we were one character over what the requirements were, pff, that's the end of that. That's probably the so, first thing yeah. that they did was they did a shortcut. Checking how many, see how many characters there are in it, and then give it the axe. The, the funny thing is, it's like I think when I did mine, I got done. I was like, "Well, is there anything I could add?" <laughs> jerk! I have, <laughs> I have, I have, I have room. Can I have some of Troy's word count? Is that cool? <laughs> Can we share? Is it? Yeah, is it competitive? Uh, please. Mm. No. <laughs> So Levi, Flactory, uh, your when does when when are you looking to launch Flactory for on Kickstarter? Uh, it's March first is when it uh, when it launches. It'll, it'll launch at uh, at nine a.m. and uh, it's, it's Eastern uh, time. And uh, it'll launch Flactory four will launch concurrently at the same time as Flactory Omnibus again, which is the collection of the first four with about 
50 extra pages of material. So oh, more yeah. than a normal zine is, is packed in there as, as extra. So that could be Flactory 4.5, <laughs> Flactory 5, oh. however you want to say. But See, I thought I was going to avoid having to get the omnibus because I'm like, well, I, I've got all of the Flactory, so oh. I'll save some money. And now you're like, oh, it's got 50. I'm like, dang it. All right, well. Oh, uh, you, you totally more than Caden does, didn't you? <clears throat> Buying that, <laughs> that extra book that nobody needs but you want because you have to have the complete set and there may be like three paragraphs that weren't in the other two books that you want out of it. Oh, this, oh no. This, He's not got like a bunch. That. <laughs> no, no, no. So there's, there's uh, just one hex crawl that's in there that's mm-hmm. uh, illustrated by uh, Skull Fungus, Carl Sternberg. Uh, he's done, we've done a bunch of stuff together, but um, he's amazing. Um, but there's, there's one, just a hex crawl in there that's easily 16 pages long. Just a hex crawl. Okay. Uh, probably awesome. once we format it and put art and stuff in there, probably awesome. you know closer to 20. Um, but you know, there's all sorts of stuff in there. All the all the all the stuff that we cut from previous, we've added new material to that, and then put that in there. You know, there's a sketchbook from going all the way back to Flactory One. You know, that beautiful cover by Ed Bickford. Um, we've got a sketchbook of you know from all the different artists who have you know they they would send me like hey, this is a piece in progress or this is kind of what I was thinking, or even art that didn't make it in um, or like concept stuff that we're we're, you know, we're doing a whole sketchbook in the back of the book. You add that into like a creator interviews with some of the artists and then um, a cover gallery because a lot of people don't know, but there's uh, this each one of the phylacteries does have alternate covers. Some of them are just for conventions. Some of them were for stretch goals where people uh, were able to put their face on the, on certain parts of the cover. That's cool. Grindhouse uh, editions. That's cool. And the Grindhouse editions. Yeah. So, the, you know, you have a little, you get a little gallery there in the back to kind of complete everything. So you get a kind of a timeline of the zine as a whole, then all this extra material plus the you know, previous four. So good stuff. Well, one thing that I, I, I want to kind of, as we're, as we're getting close to the end here, one thing that's come apparent to me that I think is really cool is I was, from our pre-show and then into this, you know, you guys have two vastly different ways, in my opinion, of approaching this process, listening to Skeeter, and he's got this organized, like, methodical, like, this book is about this, this book is about this, and it's it's a very, like, like, you know, it comes from these crazy ideas, but when it gets down onto paper, he's got like this presentation, um, and and uh, uh, and then on Levi's side, he's got this shotgun style approach to what goes in the magazine. But then, you know, that shotgun approach comes with a whole Dropbox full of his his uh, media uh, propaganda files of, of everything Prop- that, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. yes and it's just really cool because like uh you, you know you see kind of two two completely different ways of approaching having a book full of the your ideas and your passion and what you like to what you like what you like to put down um and i think that it's cool that they're two wildly different ideas and that two wildly different processes and yet you guys are you know, working together, bouncing ideas off of each other, and we've we talked about that homogenous um, relationship of uh, of you know iron sharpening iron, as Skeeter said. Yeah, I have to do the kind of hyper organized file system because if I lose something that I can't find. Oh my God, there a bomb goes off in this office. And I mean, it is a rage storm that nobody wants to see. And then I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> so I I have to be my shepherd or I am a train wreck. Well, one of the you know, one of the great things about about working with Skeeter and then working with all the other guys in the independent publishers union and and our, our extended group of friends. Um, is that they're not just like my buddies, you know, that I talk to about gaming and stuff, but they're, they're peers, they're colleagues, they're mentors, all of them at different levels of, of mentorship, you know, to, to me, um, they're people that I trust and that I can, ba- I know that if I bounce an idea off them, I'm not going to see it in one of their books, you know, two, you know, two years down the line. Um, oh you know. man, don't look at timeless Valley. <laughs> What, so what I'm, what I'm saying is, is they're like our relationship just as, just as, as buddies and colleagues and stuff. Um, it's, it's important to the whole process as a whole. I mean, you know, without these guys, like I, I would, you know, 
I might not even be doing this. You know, these, these guys are integral to, to, you know, every, every, every step of the, of the, you know, the process. I really can't say enough good things about the, the guys in the IPU. Um, a lot of people like to say things like, Oh, a rising tide raises all ships, but you know, I found out a lot of them don't mean it. You know, you, they're, they're, they'll, they'll, you can help them, but they're not so keen to help you when your, your turn comes. Not the case here with uh, with the IPU man. Everybody there is a gem of a human being, um, and just very giving and very. The ideas flow back and forth freely. So um, we got lucky, Skeeter, you and me, with uh, with some of our some of our buddies. So for sure. Awesome. I mean, I've been I've been in the RPG hobby. Uh, the first time I got paid was 21 years ago. And I've been doing it in some capacity ever since then with various levels of success, which kind of makes me feel bad. I should be doing better than I am, but you know, I do it for fun. So, um, a lot of times I worked in situations where I had to work with people, um, for whatever reasons that I'm not going to get into. Now I'm at the position I work with people I want to, and it makes a huge difference. And Levi is one of those people. And I honestly, I would probably chuck it all and not do it anymore. If I didn't have the group of people around me that I have now, because it's freaking hard. It is so hard sometimes. And, you know, a lot of times I throw shit in my office and I get up and storm out and I'm like, I'm done. This is it. I'm not doing it anymore. But then, you know, I get a message from somebody saying, hey, man, can you read this? And, you know, what's going on? And it's it's encouragement as much emotionally as it is uh, creatively. And it's, it's important. It's important to have that. I think you just described... 90% of my attempts to write anything. It's like the first the first half of it is just being so frustrated that I can't get it out until it finally starts pouring out of me. Or, and then it's like delay, 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 delay until it finally oh, sure. and all it comes out in a font. All of it all of it at once for me. I know that's not like that for everybody else, but I just wanted to say that I empathize with your frustrations, whether it's about the, like the people that you've had to work with or the what you're trying to create. And it's just you it's like a big lump of clay and you know that there's something really really good that's in there you got a lot of like really nebulous ideas you just can't connect together and how frustrating that can end up being I mean, that's probably not exactly well, what you were kind of getting at you're probably more talking about the the people that you work with but i know that that's, speaks to that's me either way yeah that's exactly it i mean valley out of time uh i wrote the first one in two days because that was the idea that was cooking in my head. And I was trying to work on something else. And I was just like, all right, this one goes off to the back burner. I'm going to write this. And it was just like, doo -doo 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 -doo. and then I wrote it and it was like, well, this is like a 50 page book. I'm not going to do this for a zine. <laughs> oh, hey, I could do part one and part two. But I have more ideas. Oh, that's going to be part three and part four. Um, yeah, this is going to be a six part book series and that's how that comes so that kind of, that leads me to uh and, and girk had this question earlier on uh are all six scenes planned out do you know what they are and well at this point is there a chance for when you get to say five and six does there end up being a seven and an eight no uh because it is planned out ah uh, five and six will get crazy. So um, there's a there's a potential for some campaign enders. <laughs> so um, yeah, I've got you know, and it all depends on how the the characters react to things. Um, but no, this is this is going to be a six book series just because that gives me an end date or this doesn't turn into, Hey, I really love this idea. And now it's like, Oh, I'm stuck in this idea and I can't get out because I did not want that. Cause I don't want to have book eight, nine and 10 be some crap that I'm putting out just cause I have to. Yeah. Yep. So, cool. okay. so, as we're uh, getting close to wrapping up, uh, 
Troy will be posting in our show notes and whatnot, all of your socials and things like that. Um, is there a, uh, is there a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and then of course I'm going to tell people to go uh, follow the Facebook uh, or the Kickstarter pages, um, go back uh, uh, skiers tomorrow and go back uh, uh, Levi's in a couple weeks. Um, is there a, a, uh, uh, a single site or a, a, a page that you would direct them to though, uh, either one of you or both of you other than the Kickstarter. Well, we both have our own respective Facebook pages. Um, but there is, if you go to uh, Instagram and you just go to independent publishers union, uh, all one word, that'll take you to uh, just kind of a landing point for uh, various little things that we, that we like and that we're interested in. You can, you know, a lot of times when we're getting ready to promo or we're getting ready to have a, uh, somebody in the uh, IPU is getting ready to launch something. You'll, you'll see uh, kind of a heads up there. But um, I, I would say the Facebook pages are, you know, that's, and uh, Skeeter talks directly from his, you know, his page, his, you know, his homepage. So yeah, I've got yeah. Skeeter Green Productions uh, Facebook page. I also have SkeeterGreenProductions.com is my website. Uh, it's got a store on it. It's got a bunch of different stuff. It's got all the old products. It, uh, it's got some blogs where I have pre-gens posted and and some random thoughts and stuff like that but yeah um i'm i'm not the social wizard that levi is uh, uh he he's he's great at the socials awesome well i appreciate you guys coming on again uh you're a delight and i'm very much looking forward i think i think we're all going to be together at gary con uh shout out to gary con and and how awesome that's gonna be. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to that. And and one last thing, uh, for everybody who goes to GaryCon, go quickly and get the GaryCon uh convention module, uh the yeah. dread the dread from Geneva Lake, because it might have some familiar names as the authors for that particular <laughs> Call of Cthulhu module. Mm-hmm. And it's excellent, by the way. That's yeah, awesome. I am super excited about that. Yeah, so everybody that you heard on this podcast today is going to be on uh, at GaryCon this year, I believe. And um, you should join us. That would be a great time. Um, come play some games with us. Come attend a panel. Come check out our booths. Um, it's, it's, it's all set to be really, really fun there at the end of March. Uh, Skeeter and Levi, thank you so much for being on the show again. Really appreciate it. You guys are a blast. Oh, thank, thank you, you guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, really uh, appreciate it. Yeah, and and Troy and John, uh, uh, you made it. Uh, you put up with me again. Uh, so thank you so much for <laughs> hanging out again. Well, we only came because Skeeter and Levi is going to be here. Well, mm-hmm. fair enough. All right, you know what? Oh boy. Uh, all right. And Puffy Coat. And Puffy Coat. Oh, one last thing before we leave. Uh, Zach has part in a in a Kickstarter going on right now oh, from shit, our shit. mutual uh, really good friend, Tim Cask, the yeah. Curse of the Weaver Queen. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and push your Kickstarter since you're not going to. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Uh, no, you really can't get much closer to the source code of D&D now than Tim Cask. I mean, that's very true. Mm-hmm. I mean, the very first, the very first yeah. employee, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the claim to fame. He um, is the captain of the old guard. Well, Tim is uh, a real delight. I got to meet him at, at, at Game Hole Con uh, last year for the first time and got to chat with him some since. And it's been really fun getting to take uh, one of his uh, older adventures and uh, take a crack at, you know, uh, polishing it and bringing it uh into like that full box set feel and um you know adding all the fun accessories and gizmos that that can make it even more awesome than it already was hopefully um and it's doing really well so we're we're really happy to get uh it's been great to see yeah yeah man awesome awesome well i appreciate you bringing that up uh skeeter that's uh we're really happy about that, and uh, it means a lot that you would you would you would be excited for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'm now I'm going to bring up uh, behind Troy that uh, 
Bork Borg. And I know that's not how you pronounce it, but that that's going to be on the docket here pretty soon uh, for SGP as well. Yes. So. Oh, man. I'm Every really time excited. I see that title in my head, it's pronounced Bork Bork. And I don't know why. <laughs> you bork, know bork. why. You can blame Jen, Jim bork, Henson bork. for that one. Bork Bork. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, I will I will stop interrupting you trying to sign off. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Uh, all right, well, thank you so much again. Thanks to chat for hanging out with us. Um, if you're listening to us live, um, hang tight, because we got another uh, creator interview coming in about 45 minutes. We'll see you then. Yes, Have a good night, everybody. Everybody stay safe out there. Bork, bork. <laughs> hey, everyone, thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed. Uh, give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube. And you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time. Levi is like one of those little dogs that has a lot of hair. Levi actually only weighs 120 pounds. But that jacket <laughs> is like four feet thick. All the way <laughs>